You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. Love you. Love you. Have a good time. Love you. Bye. Bye. Love you all. I could agree with that. Oh my gosh. Are you guys late nighters or early morningers? I used to be early morning, but I think I still go to bed the same time. I just have a lot harder time getting up. And I've decided that a lot of it's taking me a lot more energy just to get through the days that I sleep more. It's it's a lot of work day sometimes just getting through and making sure that I hear what I need to hear. Oh, man. Do you feel like you put a lot of energy into? Some days. Yeah. Some days I put a, I mean, Sunday I was wiped. And I know it's because Saturday was just a really long day trying to hear with all of the voices. Pick out the ones At that the I need. conference. Yeah. To pick out the ones that I wanted. It's work. <laughs> that, just thinking about energy that it takes to hear and well, deciding yeah. what you want to hear and not hear. And I mean, mentally. I was at the doctor again this past Monday going over my hearing test um, last Thursday, my latest hearing test. And so we we're going over results and what, if anything, that can be done anymore. It came back that if anything, comprehension went back down a little bit. I'm under 20% again in comprehension. The hearing that I have left in there, when they boost it with what would be hearing aid type things, they put words at you and you try to repeat. And I, with the white noise and all of the tendinitis I have in there and everything, in the gar- it garbles everything. So I have less than 20% comprehension. So a hearing aid would is going to do no good whatsoever. And what was the original cause of all of this? I had a virus that attached itself to the nerve. I started Googling. I have an appointment with an audiologist to see if there's anything that they can do. But normal hearing aids are out. But there may be something that they can do. He didn't sound like he had much hope. But it was worth trying. Yeah. But anyways, I went home and I was Googling things with uh, the hearing and with that nerve effects. And I came up with this, it's, it's called sense and renewal deafness, if that's something like that. And then there lists all of these considerations symptoms may con- include, and I have every single one of them. And you know, some sounds may seem overly loud in one ear. You have problems following conversations when there's two or more people talking. You have problems hearing in noisy areas. It is easier to hear some voices than others, depending on tones. It is hard to tell high-pitched sounds such as S or TH from one another. Other people's voices may sound slurred or mumbled. And you have problems hearing when there is background noise. Every single one of them. Wow. You weren't going to come to the conference, and then you ended up coming. coming. Right. And you weren't signed up to take Monica's workshop, but you ended up yep. in hers. Right. And it, it was the weekend was definitely something that I very much needed. It was hard. Just because anytime there's lots of voices, it gets very overwhelming. The noise in my right ear goes up astronomically, the more noise in a room. So even though it was hard, were you glad that you came? Oh, yes. 
very much, very much mm. so. Megan Friday night was exactly what I needed to hear. Exactly. Because I, I mean, this is something I've been struggling with, with since June. And I've tried to put on a very happy face. I tried to, you know, just, and I realized I was saying all of the things that I was trained to say, but it wasn't what I was really feeling, if that makes any sense. And I got to, I'm like, you know, I am very angry. I have lots of questions, but it's okay. It's okay for me to be angry with God and not understand why, even though I know in my heart that there's a reason and I know that he can work all things for his glory. And I know those things, but I'm still don't like it. Well, Mel talked about this too when we were talking about we so often just say, get to the good part, get to like, okay, God works out all things for good, but we don't allow ourselves to go through the process of grieving. And that's exactly, I left feeling better than I had actually felt in a long time. There was a relief in acknowledging those feelings, Mm. a lot of relief. So it was a good, very good weekend for me, Mm. even though it was incredibly hard. It was Mm. a good weekend. Well, we were, we're glad that you were able to join us. I saw you out there during worship. My heart felt for you out there. It's the closest, though, I've gotten to being in there because there wasn't as many instruments and it right. wasn't. And so I was able to be right outside the doors, basically, rather than in the back hallway. I just feel like one of the things that's so difficult sometimes about stuff that comes into our lives that affects us physically is that it finds its way of isolating us, you know, whether it's it's hearing or other physical issues or ailments, but it ends up being an isolator or a separator. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's just something that's so difficult it in itself. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you need hearing those headphones like Riley has. One of the things that I'm not sure, but another one of the great things about the weekend was uh, Becca being there. I've known Becca. Becca was one of my employees when I managed at the front desk at the end. Oh my gosh. And so I've learned to know her and I think she's an absolutely fabulous young lady <laughs> and was talking to her and for the, this is going to sound weird, but with her background and her education, when I said what was going on, she had recognition in her eyes and she knew symptoms that I was having before I said them. And it was the first time I've ever seen somebody outside a doctor have any type of understanding at all. And it felt really good. Yes. Is she a speech pathologist? Yeah. Is that? And she's just made a comment as some, of, as some of the equipment that they're using with kids that have some of the symptoms that I have in the classrooms. Mm. So there are some things out there that may be able to help. We'll see what happens. That's so good. Which was nice to know, Tom. Isn't that so amazing, though? It's like just having someone acknowledge that they understand. Yeah. Maybe they're not walking in it or they don't know exactly how it feels, but acknowledging it. And how much different it makes you feel, right? Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Barsha. <laughs> it's Karsha. Ew. And we are here tonight with Miss Marsha Kalina. Welcome, Marsha. Yeah. So glad to have you here. I guess it's good to be here. It, 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 it is good to be here. Good to have you here. Marsha was born in New Wilmington, PA, but she moved to this area when she was five. She was a PK and her father took a new church. She's the youngest of three sisters. She went to Crestview Schools, graduated from Crestview High School. She's worked at the Dairy Queen. She's been a waitress 
She's been in banking, a homemaker, done lots of different things at the Dutch Village Inn while her kids were young. She went full-time when Jared was in the fifth grade and became the front desk manager. Five years ago, she went to be the office manager at Camp Frederick and has been there ever since. Marsha's been married to Jeff for 33 years. Jeff's been on our podcast. Yes. He's been a while ago, though. And her son, Jared, has solved Jared with two R's. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah, get the Uh right Jared. Was also on our podcast. So if you want to find out more about Marsha's family, you can go check out Jeff Kalina and Jared Kalina. They lived in the Akron area the first 12 years of their marriage and then moved back to the area. They have two adult children. Marissa is a high school math teacher and is married to Brandon, who's a pastor. And they live in Cambridge and have a new seven-month-old daughter, Selah, the love of their life, the very first granddaughter. Oh, yeah. And Jared is at YSU majoring in computer science. He's been dating Kendall for three years, and he's here most Sundays doing the words for us. And Jeff is doing the sound. So if you want to see the Kalinas, they're in the back by the sound booth. Marsha has some schooling in accounting. And she left college to get married to Jeff. Do you regret that decision? Not getting married, but there's times that I wish that I had gone back to school when I was younger. And go- I don't know that I would have stuck with accounting, even though that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gone into some other type of business. I liked marketing. She loves to read and craft, and she loves being in nature, especially near water. She and her husband have been to the Upper Room since 2019, and we're really happy to have them here. So thanks for coming on our show. I know at first, Marsha was one of the ones that said, no, thank you. But she's changed her mind, and she's here in the podcast studio with us today. That is so good. Jared really got on me for saying no. Oh. He told me that it's no big deal, and podcasts are what I need to do. Also told him, you know I'm a major introvert, and that is not something I would do. And he goes, well, you need to. (laughs) This isn't so bad. I like that. I tell my kids, there is such a thing as positive peer pressure. There's negative, but there's great times to be pressured by like uh, maybe not even peers, but children. children. Yes. That was great. Good job, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Claps for you. What kind of crafting? When you say crafting, what does that mean to you? Been a lot of different things over the years. Okay. I don't know how many years I painted, hmm. but carpal tunnel which I just had surgery, that made it that I could no longer hold a paintbrush It's steady or for any length of time. It was when Marissa got engaged that Christmas. I told Jeff I wanted a Cricut so that I could make the wedding invitations and do stuff. So now I do all kinds of stuff on my Cricut. That's fun. But that's been my latest. I like paper crafts, print stuff. I do a lot of 3D stuff, but also I print out stuff and I do fold it and make it into all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but I made the, her wedding invitations and a bunch of other stuff for the wedding. That's wonderful. That's the reason I wanted it is so that I could do all that stuff for the wedding. And then it was 2020 and... <laughs> the wedding did you make a lot of stuff? I did. And then I had to redo things because the date was wrong because we had to change the date that they got married. So that was a date in April. And then they were supposed to have their June wedding, which didn't happen. But we had a church wedding that everybody came to then in the fall. So they have three wedding dates. Yeah. <laughs> Special COVID couples. Well, they deserve it. That's right. Having yeah. to wait that long, might as well. Yeah. So, Marcia, tell us who or what turned your light on. I grew up in a pastor's home. 
church was something. Anytime the doors were open, we were there because dad was the one opening them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think back to, I don't know how old I was, but I remember when dad would put me to bed, mom didn't put up with it. When mom put me to bed, I just went to bed. I knew better. Dad would put me to bed and I would always come up with the questions to get him to sit there. And, you know, it was always Bible stuff. Some of the things I would ask, I remember him saying, write down the question. So I must have been old enough to write. I know it was elementary. And I remember him telling me that. And one night I go, how do you get born again? Because I'm trying to get him to stay. And he explained everything to me. And he says, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah. And I probably, I'm guessing second or third grade. I really don't know. I just remember the conversation with dad. And I mean, God has always been a major part of my life in the church. There's been time, you know, high school kids. Yeah, I definitely drifted away some during parts of high school. And even the first years we were married, it wasn't something as important, I didn't think. We had found a good church in Akron that I absolutely loved, and we made great friends there. But the first, it was more about Jeff and I those first couple of years. But Jeff and I went through a really hard time. We actually separated for a little bit. And that's when I think I learned to lean on God in a whole new way hmm. and when it really truly became the most important thing to me. That's great that you had that foundation from your childhood, even though you may have walked away or it wasn't at the forefront all of those years that you know your parents and being in church and being born again, all those things that were instilled at you in a young age, you are able to draw from them when you're going through a hard time. Yeah, I learned how over that time, I learned what true prayer was in a devotion time. How did that change you? From the time I was within the first year of us being at Akron, and even when I was a teenager with mom, I taught kids. Teaching in the children's department was just being a big introvert. That's where I like to go because I was able to work with kids without feeling intimidated as much. Mm -hmm. So working with kids there in the church was always a big part of it. But And at that point, I was, I don't remember if I would have still been teaching. I think I was still teaching the four-year-olds there at Southeast as well as helping with junior church. And the stories that I was teaching took on a new new meeting, and I think that came across to the kids, too, because it just really changed the way I taught. Because you were able to be like, it's true, and it's yeah. real, and he yeah. is who he says he is. Right. So tell us, what lights you up? It's always been kids. Yeah, you know, Like I said, there at Southeast, I worked with the kids from the time I was, I would have been probably 21 when I started actually teaching a Sunday school class. It's always been something I did then from that point until about six years ago. It's to, kids, when after we moved back to Columbiana, Nance and I did the children's department together at the church for a lot of years. Mm -hmm. And it was a great, great way of working. One of my favorite parts of it, though, was uh, working well, and we did with Jeff and I worked with the teens with the Bible quizzing too. But kids' Bible quizzing is so much fun. <laughs> Getting the kids to really dive into what all of that is. You know, you would have a different chapter. The books that they used, children's was always Old Testament, and then teens is New Testament. New Testament was good, but I loved working with the Old Testament with the little kids. I loved, loved, loved that. 
I, working with them and getting them to see all of the, you know, that those sto- weren't just stories, that mm. there's truths in them. There, there's so much that they can learn from them. And that was wonderful. Was that like a program? It is a program. It's like Awana's, right? You have your stuff and for children's quizzing, then you have your boxes and you, you have numbers. So depending on the ages, whether or not you have four numbers to choose from or three numbers to choose from. So the younger kids, you would have your in competition, which they would compete against other churches that have the quizzing. You would have your question and then three answers and you pull it the number of you want. And then the older kids have four choices. Jared, when he was little, loved the quizzing. I have pictures of him with all kinds of <laughs> trophies and all kinds of stuff that he would win. Oh, uh, <laughs> and then when you get to be a teen, instead of boxes, you jump. There's sensor pads on the chairs. Oh. So it can tell you have teams of four against another team of four. So they can tell who jumps first from which team. And then you stand, you'll read a question. And if you wait till the entire question is read, you have to just answer. But if you jump before the question is finished, you have to finish the question and answer. It's a lot of fun to watch them compete against each other. And then the kids at the end, I mean, it's done by districts. So the Southeast District would then, whoever their top kids were, top teams and kids were, would compete against multiple districts. And then you would go to major competition and would be basically world competition once a year that you would go to and compete against kids from all over the world. That sounds serious. It is a lot of fun. (laughs) I mean, some of these kids, they will hear just the beginning because you're given the questions. I mean, for each chapter, there's probably 30 questions. So it's a lot of questions to study. It's not like it's just, a, it could be 50 questions on a chapter. It just depends. Wow. But these kids, some of these kids study it to the point where they hear the first few words of it. They know what that question's going to be up in is up on the chair. By the time you get to worlds, those kids know those questions that you'd barely have to start asking it. Jeez. And they jump, finish the question and give the answer. Did you get to go to districts or anything like that? Have you um, experienced... The district one we would go to with the kids, there'd be five Ohio districts, part of Kentucky and part of West Virginia, and they would all compete against each other. That's the highest ones I've gotten to, but it's so much fun. So is that something you kind of worked your way into when you came to Columbiana? And that wasn't in your 20s? No. It, when we were in then. Akron, they didn't have quizzing that they did with their kids. That's but something that I... But you knew in your 20s, though, that you enjoyed kids? And when oh, you started... yeah. Kids is, like I said, it's the one place that I... Because I am not a people person. I'm very much an introvert. But being with kids is the one place where I felt like I belonged. Mm-hmm. Not, I guess I'm a, somewhat of a kid myself. I don't know, <laughs> but that's where I belonged. Yeah. It's the way I've always felt. That's where I, I had some health problems. I'm trying to think when it was exactly. I stepped away from it because I had had some health problems. Basically, my blood pressure was out of control, and I was pressure from work. And I just thought I took a took a break from the kids and tried to get everything back under control. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, too. That would have probably been about 10 years ago that happened because I was still at the inn and I took a time away from the kids and God told me I needed to still be teaching though. And I, adult Sunday school class needed a teacher. Oh, that was the worst nine months of my life. I hated that beyond belief. <laughs> but, but you I, felt like God was leading you so to I do taught, that. 
yeah, I taught an adult Sunday school class, which I had so many, our class grew and I had so many people tell me I did a great job. Boy, did I hate that. (laughs) It was the most uncomfortable place I had ever felt in a church, but I did it. And then Nance came to me and asked if she knew that I didn't want to be missing every Sunday of church anymore with the kids, but she wanted to know if I would take on the children's quizzing again. So I took on children's quizzing and gave up teaching adult Sunday school class. Thank God. (laughs) Didn't have to twist your arm. (laughs) Do you feel like at Camp Frederick, do you get a little of both? I get a little of both. You know, when we came here then, I stopped teaching totally, which in a lot of ways is exactly what I needed. I needed to concentrate on me, even though it was hard at being an introvert and being around all of these people that I didn't know was really hard. And then we weren't here that long until the pandemic. It's been a a hard transition for me in a lot of ways too, because I don't make friends easily. I don't make, because I'm not, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of my personality, I just don't. And so it's been a hard transition in that respect, but I know it's where I need to be. What made you guys make the transition? I had felt for quite a while that it was time to leave. And I knew we were losing Jared. It was a major struggle to get him to go to church with us. He was high school. He did not want to go to church with us for anything. And I knew we were losing him. And Jeff saw it and finally agreed. Jared had gone to youth conference and he went to that and came home and he was fired up again. But I knew that it wouldn't take long to lose him. And we told him, I said, that if he wanted to, we would change churches so that he could get to a church that he felt accepted and felt like he could connect into. And at first he said no. And he came back less than 24 hours later and said, I think that's what we need to do. Had he been here with friends or? No, this was his first choice of places to come. So we came here and then we went to two other churches And Jared said, let's just go back to Upper Room. That's as far as we got. We came back here. When we lived in Akron, I truly enjoyed every single thing about church we went to there. Mm. And we chose that one because that's just the one we... We went to a lot of churches, some Mennonites, some Nazarenes, some non... We went to a lot of different churches before Mm. we settled there. But as soon as we entered that church, it was like home to both of us. And we absolutely adored it. I still miss some of the people there. But when we moved back to Columbiana, then when Dad got sick, the people there, I mean, it was his, the church he grew up in. Mm-hmm. And the people really reached out to us and supported us. Well, Dad was sick and passed away then. My dad, he was, Dad died of pan- pancreatic cancer almost 20 years ago. It'll be 20 years this next spring. We moved back in 01. And if it hadn't been for, for some of the people at that church, it was it really helped a lot over that time. Mm-hmm. And that's why, why we ended up going there. Mm-hmm. Jeff and I both agreed, we're not going to be those church floaters. We will help a church no matter what. And I felt like I had gone out of my way trying to do things. I appreciate that so much about your family because that is very obvious when you're here you're present and you are a part and you mean it. And that is so beautiful about your family. I have seen that and I have been the recipient of being able to say, oh my gosh, thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much, Marsha. Thank you so much, Jared, 
for being committed and willing and hands in and I think that's the right heart that wherever you're at like we're not here to float around we're here to to put, serve and yeah, to feet on the ground and so yeah thank you <laughs> so in this season of your life where you were in ministry and then you took some time away and yeah. dealt with some health issues and transitioned to a new church how are you letting your light shine in this season of your life that's really hard because, especially with my health right now, before all, it, well, even to a point now, it is still somewhat through the camp. Mm -hmm. I've really, I love that place. It is an amazing place and God uses us in some amazing ways there. It is my dream job. And no kidding about that is my dream job to be able to work with kids, even though I'm not directly working with the kids anymore. I'm setting up a life-changing experience for those kids when yep. I'm working with getting registrations and getting all those kids and all the camperships that I can put together and everything else to get as many kids there to learn about God as I can. Right. That is so important to me. So Camp Frederick is in Rogers, Ohio, mm -hmm. just around the corner. We actually, our church had family camp there this year, a weekend of family camp for the first time. Our men's retreat is meeting there next week. And they do resident camping in the summer and they have retreats and I know our elders have their retreats at Camp Frederick. So it's yep. been a special place to our church as well. The upper room has been connected to Camp Frederick for decades. I just love that that's been our connection. Yeah. Like we have a connection here with Camp Frederick. Oh my gosh, we used to camp like crazy when I was a little kid and we'd have our little pop up and it's a wonderful place. It is. It is. And with all of my health issues now, that's the one, I mean, that's one of those things that bothers me. I can't do everything I used to there. Mm. Beth Sheldon was there for a tour not long ago, and it was the first time I thought, I'm going to give a complete tour. I'm going to do this. And I can't. I can't do the, the hill going up to the cabins, the vertigo and the ear problems. I can't do that, which very much saddens me mm -hmm. because, I mean, that area up in there is so absolutely gorgeous. And I don't exercise the way I used to, so I don't walk the trails, but it's really hard for me to do any of that now. I love to go just stand on the bridges and listen to the water. I can't hear. Um, mm -hmm. The second bridge now, when we had the bridge redone or fixed this past spring, and when they did it, they said that he, they needed to reroute the water a little bit so that it didn't hit this one spot that we needed to replace, that it would rust out again if they if the water kept hitting it. And so he dug down so that it was deeper in the center, and he redid things, and he moved rocks then. So there's actually a little waterfalls now that goes down. And it, that I can stand there and hear that water and that waterfall. So that's one place that I can still mm. <laughs> hear the water really well. Mm -hmm. So five months ago, you got an infection. Yes. And it's it's been a long haul of yeah. dealing with all the effects of that. And I know... You went to Monica's workshop this past weekend at the women's conference about thriving in the midst of heartache. And even though things are still hard, things can still be good. Right. What were some of your takeaways from that? Well, from the whole weekend, it was one of those things that I struggled with whether or not to go or not, because with the lasting effects from my infection, I have very limited hearing in my one ear, as well as the infection... Uh, attached itself to the nerve in my ear, 
which in doing so causes vertigo. I have gone through six weeks of therapy to help me deal with that, which I'm doing much better with the vertigo part. But the hearing part of it is very much affected by noise and by lots of people. So I knew that the weekend was going to be a major challenge. So I debated on whether or not to come, but it was the best decision. God kept nudging me and I kept saying, (laughs) but I don't think so. (laughs) But I did come and it was exactly what I needed because this has been a really hard time. The effects of this is when I first went to Dr. Coleman, he offered me some things and I'm like, no, I I can do this. I'm going to be fine. And in my mind, God was going to heal me and I was going to be fine quickly and everything was going to be good. And I went through ear injections and I went through a lot of steroids and all kinds of stuff and came out the other end with very, very limited hearing and the hearing I do have not being worth anything. And, and you know, thank goodness it's only in one ear. So I still have my, my left ear working very well, but the after effects also affect the left ear. So the hearing is definitely an issue. So I wasn't sure whether or not I should come. And then coming in Friday night, listening to Megan talk for the first time through all of this, I realized how angry I was and how disappointed I was in God for not healing me like I wanted and how truly there was so many emotions going through me that I was never acknowledging. After When Megan was talking, I realized that God doesn't want me to ignore those feelings, that I need to acknowledge them, and He's going to help me with them. By the end of the weekend, I felt better than I had felt in a long time, not physically, mm. but spiritually and emotionally, because I knew that God truly is in charge, and that He was going to help me, whether it's in healing, true healing, or whether it's just help me minister to others through all of this somehow, some way. So I know he has a plan with it. And I, tr- even though I've been saying that for months, I now truly believe it in my heart. And we have to live in the middle of mystery where we don't have all the answers or no. we don't understand why things are the way they are. But it's hanging on, it's the tension of hoping and knowing that God is able and willing and capable And then the tension of your circumstances that are real and not where you want to be and are painful. It's like living in that tension and just having to be okay with the mystery and not understanding everything. Right. I have to, I thank God every day for Jeff because he has been the greatest support. I mean, at the beginning when everything started and I couldn't stand up. I was throwing up anytime I moved. He was right there with me, and I cannot believe the things he did for me those first 48 hours. But he was there for me, and he's been there for me since. And he told me after what Dr. Coleman said on, on Monday, he goes, you know, whatever it takes... If there's something, don't worry about doctor bills. We're going to do whatever it takes because I was saying how expensive this equipment is if they do have something for my ear. And he says, don't worry about it. We'll make it work. And it's just, I'm so glad that God has truly blessed me 33 years ago when he gave me Jeff. Mm. It changes everything. It does. When you've got love with you in the midst of the hardest stuff. Oh, Jeff. Good job, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs)
you know, you have lived in this area and then you've lived in Akron and then back here. Mm-hmm. So in any of those places and spaces, do you have a supernatural story to tell? Something you've experienced that you'd like to share? I've been thinking about this, and I had one right off the bat. Okay. But in thinking about it, I have a second one as well, and I'm going to start with that other one first. And this goes back to childhood. My dad had an inherited eye problem, which I've inherited parts of it as well, which is why Jeff drove me tonight, because I don't drive at night. But dad has... The part that I did not inherit was degenerative disease in his eyes where his, his retina is degenerated. But it w- I was in seventh grade, and he needed um, cataract surgery. He was going blind because of the cataracts. And his, the doctor he had been going to at that time sent him to Cleveland Clinic because he said, I won't touch your eyes to do, take the cataracts off until they work on your retinas. Cleveland Clinic looked at his retinas and said, there's no place to even start. It's like holes all over the place. It's being held by threads throughout there. There's no place to start. We can't even begin to work on your retinas. So he went back to the doctor and he says, I guess you're going to go blind because I can't touch your eyes like this. A gentleman at the church told dad that he needed to go to his doctor, Dr. George in Alliance, that uh, he's a good godly man and he will help you. And dad made an appointment and got in with Dr. George. And Dr. George looked at his eyes. He goes, well, you have two choices. You can just go blind or we can trust God and I can do this surgery and we can trust him that he will bring you through this surgery and you will be fine. And if you go blind at the surgery, we know it's God's will. Dad said, okay. The Sunday before his surgery, several of the elders of the church told dad that they wanted to anoint him. And there was an anointing service right before his surgery. And dad came, went through the surgeries. They did both eyes separately. He went into the hospital, was in the hospital for the surgeries and stayed overnight and everything because they wanted to observe the eyes the entire time. And he had both of his the eyes done and everything was fine. There was no detached retinas and he never had a detached retina. His eyes, actually, the, the retinas never got worse. Anytime he went back to Cleveland Clinic, they said it's exactly the same the way it, than what it was when you came the last time. That is God's amazing grace. That's amazing. So, <laughs> And your other one? My other one, um, when we lived in Akron, the youth group was going on a mission trip, and they were going to do a Bible school while they were on their mission trip, and they asked me to go along if I could do the Bible schools part of it for them. And so I went along with them for that, which Bible schools is something I absolutely adore. I love doing Bible schools. So we went down there. There was two parts of it. There was the, the teens were split into two. Half of them were helping me, and the other half were helping Mike, and they were doing a construction project. The construction crew came back, and the pastor was with them, and they were going to go into the office, and the pastor goes, the door's locked. My keys are in the office. I can't get in there. And they were messing around with this for quite a while to get in. And John, who was the leader, the youth leader, and said, I guess we're just going to have to call the a locksmith to get into the office. And that pastor looked absolutely horrified. He goes, we do not have the money for that. That's hundreds of dollars for a locksmith to come out here to do this. We do not have the money to do that. And he dropped to his knees and just started praying and the door unlocked and opened. Was this in Mexico? Where were you? Bahamas. Bahamas. It is amazing when you get away from the touristy Nassau stuff, what Bahamas really is. Yes. 
It is amazing what the true Bahamas is. Power of prayer. But both there's of also them. something about like the desperateness of like, yes. I don't have the money for this. How God steps in sometimes. Right. Just to... And sometimes in America, we're like, call the locksmith, and that's, get yes. the checkbook that, out. You know. <clears throat> that's what I truly came home with after that one is how, um, as Americans, we do not depend on God Mm-mm. at all. You know, money can pay for everything. The yellow pages that, you know, we don't have to, well, Google now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's true. We don't have to. No, we don't have to depend on God. Unfortunately, there is truly an advantage to living in that type of society in that God is so important because it's you don't have as many worldly things to get you through the day. Yeah. It's God that gets you through. Well, Marsha, we really appreciate you coming in. And I love that introverts will sit down and have coffee with us and talk because more people get to hear your story. And I know that's hard for some people to let a lot of people hear their stories. So we really appreciate you coming in. Way to go, Jared, getting your mom in here. (laughs) But you have a beautiful story. And when you think about Marsha, say a prayer for her and her ear and just for healing and for God to sustain sustain her during this difficult time because it is hard when your health gets taken away from you and you have to live with you know you still have the same responsibilities and job and things that you have to do but you're in pain or you're suffering in a way that is invisible to people Mm -hmm. and sometimes if we can't see something we think oh you're fine what's wrong (laughs) you know and so that's also difficult when you have an internal pain or internal things going on that's not visible and that's hard so we're glad that you shared your story and so think of Marsha and pray for her and for healing and restoration over her body and thanks for coming in no problem thank you make sure you tune in next week for another special guest Bye. bye